This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market is your home for huge savings on name brand products. This week, have a fun and delicious start to your morning with Post Nutter Butter Cereal. 19-ounce boxes are just 99 cents. That's a wow savings of up to 80% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, Star Kissed Chunk Light Tuna, 5-ounce cans are buy two, get one free. That's a wow savings of up to 64%. Limit three free. Offers good through March 12th. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox. Andy Bailey is missing once again, so it's just me, Adam Frommel, and Dan Favale talking to you about the Portland Trailblazers. It's a little bit sad because this team was one of the better teams in the Western Conference last year and just entered into a full-scale rebuild during this offseason. Nicholas Batum is now with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge with the San Antonio Spurs. Wesley Matthews with the Dallas Mavericks. And even Robin Lopez is now with the New York Knicks. So Damian Lillard is the only returning starter. And this roster is kind of a, a mix-and-match collection of young talents who may or may not break out. And their season is, is really going to depend on which ones do and to what extent they do. But at the same time, it's hard not to see this team finishing at or near the bottom of the Western Conference. Isn't the real question is which team in the West has a chance? Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. At being worse than them? Yeah, I suppose so, and it's hard to pick many. I could, the only one I could come up with is maybe the Timberwolves, and I actually think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year, so I, I can't even name them. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be right at the bottom as well. We'll just get that out of the way now. <laughs> they are going to be the worst team in the Western Conference. The good thing here that I like is that it's sort of by design, and not only that, but you haven't gone full Sixers. Yeah, you tore down a contender, the Sixers never really did that, but you have actual NBA talent on this roster. No matter who you're giving minutes to, for the most part, they should be on the floor, and there's something to look for in them. It makes it easier to find silver linings in losing. That's the bright side for them. The downside for me is I don't know what they did with their front court this offseason. They really just killed their floor spacing. You just look, look at the small forward center and power forward positions. There's not a ton of floor spacing there outside of Myers Leonard. Noah Vonley hasn't shown he can hit threes just yet. Maybe eventually he can. Al Farouk Aminu, we talk about him as this 3 and D guy. He's never no, been a don't. good three-point shooter. No, we don't. We just talk people, about him as a defensive specialist. Call, so him, call about, it out there. 
you talk about him as that guy who can be or achieve three and D status, and I don't even think he's ever hit thirty two percent of his threes for his no, career. I mean, he he can't shot. Shoot. I, he sh- I I don't think he's he sh- ever earned that reputation. I never said he had it. I said people talk about him like he's going to become that guy, but he's twenty five now. He shot the ball really well in that five game set against the Rockets, but they did. He's their highest paid player this year, by the it, way. It also seems like he's around thirty. He's been around forever now. It seems like he's been around forever. But I don't particularly like their front court. I love Myers Leonard. I would love to see him and Noah Vonley play a lot together. But you throw in guys like Mason Plumley and Ed Davis into there, I just like it a lot less because some of these guys are going to have to play positions they really shouldn't be playing. I don't want to see Myers Leonard play power forward. I don't want to see Ed Davis play power forward. I don't want to see Mason Plumley play power forward. And that's going to have to happen for stretches at a time. I don't mind if Leonard plays at the four. That doesn't really bother me because he's going to stretch it out so well. All of Yes, that's fine. Yeah, but it is hard to see all of those guys that you mentioned getting enough minutes. And that's the biggest problem that I have with the roster. There are so many pieces that I like. Not love, but like. And that's you mentioned the difference between the Sixers and them. And to me, that's the biggest one, is that the Sixers have gone about rostering these guys who help them get up to the minimum salary threshold and really belong in the D-League or out of the league entirely. And if you look at the Portland roster... It's almost entirely composed of of guys who actually do belong in rotations, albeit in small roles, but in rotations nonetheless. I mean, Myers Leonard, Ed Davis, Noah Vonley, and beyond that, they have Mo Harkless and C.J. McCollum and Pat Connaughton. A lot of guys that I really like and I'm pretty high on, but it's tough to see them all getting on the court enough for them to realize their potential this quickly. Two guys to me that they really need to focus on getting in the game no matter what is I want to see Myers Leonard and C.J. McCollum playing starters-level minutes by none. I don't, bar none. I don't think McCollum's going to start. It looks like that'll go to Gerald Henderson. I want to see him play 30-plus. If Myers Leonard doesn't get 30-plus because of that frontcourt logjam, that's a football travesty. He really needs to be in the game. He's everything you basically look for in a modern-day big man. We talk about his shooting. His rim protection isn't bad. We're, we're uh, dealing with small than, samples. It's better than not bad. It's really good. I say not bad because of the sample size. He wasn't contesting as many shots as other people last year. But if we want to just say that, he was elite. He was an elite rim protector statistically if we're just going to throw sample size. And, and to out be the fair, window. he was on pace to protect enough shots to really qualify as such. It was more the lack of minutes that prevented him from getting there. But his per minute contest rate was pretty solid. Again, statistically, he was elite. He's everything you look for. And I think if you see his minutes or his playing time, or his role diluted in any way because you stocked yourself with so much front court talent. Even Chris Kamen is here. Let's not forget about him. He really doesn't belong on this team, no. but he's there. He still belongs in the NBA. Maybe Terry Stotts decides to fuck him too. I don't want to see it come at the expense of Myers Leonard. I want to see him, CJ McComb, and Damian Lillard run together a lot at a time because if you look at this roster, again, they have a lot of guys that you like individually. Those three are their future right now. And if you, you could talk about what draft picks they're going to get, maybe any other moves they might make, but those three really seem to be their future. And I want to see them play together, and I want to see them play a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Did I say a lot? I meant a lot. I think you said a lot, but can you clarify? A lot. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, we if you guys listen to our, our son's podcast, we were pretty down on both their present and their future just because it doesn't seem like they have the ability – to take steps forward in the future. But this roster is completely different. And let's say that they do bottom out and they maybe get the number one or number two pick in the draft. All of a sudden, you're looking at a roster in in 2016-17 where they could be throwing out Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, 
Ben Simmons, Noah Vonley, and Myers Leonard. And that's fun. And that has enough upside that it can actually potentially compete in the Western Conference if these guys become the players that we expect them to be. Absolutely. But it, it does make it more important when you're talking about the stages of their careers at third and McCollum are at. It makes it more important to really see what they have. Yeah. McCollum will be eligible for an extension next summer. Leonard is going to be a restricted free agent. You're going to have to invest in these guys if you want to keep them around. And you really need to see how well they can work together. And they're going to need playing time to do that. I'm just super concerned because of how Terry Stotts has done things in the past that maybe they won't get enough. I understand he sort of has no choice now. But there's so much talent on this roster that you could very easily see Myers Leonard hovering around 20 minutes a game again. And, and that would really be a bad thing. It might be easier for McCollum. It doesn't look like they're going to be like, hey, we want to see what Crab can do. We want to see what Connaughton can do. Uh, they Jeff should Henderson, want to see what Connaughton can do. I'm saying they should, but it doesn't look like there are as many threats to his rotation minutes as there are to Leonard. Because you look at Davis, who led the Lakers in win shares last year, he looks like a fun NBA talent. And they have him under quote-unquote long-term contract. And Noah Vonley is there as well, and he's a top-ten prospect. It seems that Leonard's minutes are, are more in doubt than McCollum's, and that worries me because Leonard is probably my favorite player on this Blazers team, including Lillard. I love Leonard. He's my favorite player, but I don't know that he's the best because that's obviously Lillard. And, well, you know, speaking of guys who are going to play a lot of minutes, Lillard's primary backups this season are going to be Tim Frazier and Phil Pressey. There is a scenario in which Lillard somehow manages to play 40 minutes a game. <laughs> I don't think Is that's... it a scenario or is it an inevitability? <laughs> it almost feels inevitable, but it's probably been a long time since somebody's it's... hit 40 minutes per game. I have no idea how long we would have to go back to find somebody. But... I'm going to look it up right now. You need to talk about something interesting. Well, I'm going to because my prediction, and I'm not sure how, how bold this is, so you're going to have to fill me in there, but it's that Lillard's going to win the scoring title this year. Because he's going to spend so much time on the court, and there aren't other options. I mean, this roster has so many holes on the offensive end, and it's so filled with people who are developing and aren't there yet as NBA scores that there is going to be such a ridiculous burden on him. I think that he's going to average at least 30 points a game and is going to be the scoring champion. Well, as a quick aside, the last player to average 40 minutes a game per season and to qualify also for the minutes per was game. Monte? Yeah. Monte was the last two players to do it. <laughs> 2009, 2010, and 2010, 2011, both in. What about before him? Uh, Gerald Wallace also did it in 2009, 2010. And before him, Allen Iverson and LeBron and Joe Johnson did it in 2007, 2008. So it's been a while. Yes, yeah, you know, it's been. It's I'm been shocked five, that no Tibbs players made it onto that list. I honestly thought we were going to see, like, dang. On I here. almost qualified it by saying non Tib players. <laughs> I was surprised this just wasn't filled with bulls over the last, like, four yeah, or five yeah. years. But how, is that a bold prediction? Is that realistic? I think it's bold because it, I, I don't see it happening. I think it's justifiable, so it makes it bold. But I worry Damian Miller isn't the most efficient scorer as it is, he can shoot the ball. But now he's going to have increased defensive attention. You don't have Wesley Matthews safety net when you're driving to the rim. You don't have LaMarcus Aldridge in the pick and roll. You don't have Nicholas Batum. That, that really worries me. He'll get enough shots, and his usage rate will be through the roof. But if he does win this scoring title, and if he averages over 30 points per game, he's going to do it on 40% shooting, and there's no doubt. I agree, but I also think to some extent the world has overlooked just how good he is as a three-point shooter because Steph Curry exists. 
if Curry wasn't in the picture, we would be talking about how Lillard is on these record-setting paces from downtown because he is. I mean, for a guy this this young in his career, he's already putting up ridiculous numbers, and they're very modern. And I mean, it's partially the result of how much Stotts likes focusing on three-point shooting, but he is really good from the perimeter. Yeah, he dropped off quite a bit last year. Uh, he was throwing up seven per game, and he he was definitely below league average. He was at thirty-four point three percent. It's just a matter of getting those high-quality looks. Again, yeah. he's going to take shots because he has to. I'm not but sure he's also another one of those guys like Curry who can create off the bounce, which me- means that percentage isn't – it's a little bit misleadingly low. No, and I, I totally get that. But the other thing that's going to worry me there too is he's not going to be able to work as that spot-up guy as much. And that's another thing like Curry – he does really well is if you have Lamar Aldridge in the post or don't have Wesley Matthews or Nicholas Batum tacking off the dribble, you can kick it out to him. He got 35% on spot-up threes last year, and those accounted for almost 20% of his entire shots. He's not going to get as many of those opportunities because who's the other guy on the Blazers who can create off the dribble? Probably C.J. McCollum is your next best bet. Yeah, but, I mean, that kind of leads me into my next question, which is if we're assuming that Lillard scores 40 points a game. I know that we both agree on that. <laughs> Make it 45. 45, yeah, and he's going to lead the league unless Anthony Davis averages 60. But that aside, totally possible. who's the second leading scorer on this team? If, again, depending on how they're coached, it should be Myers Leonard. I think it's going to be C.J. McCollum, but it should be Myers Leonard. I don't have a problem with it being McCollum either, but it should be Myers Leonard because he is that good. And I just want to take this time again for our listening viewers, our listenership, what do we call it? Viewership, whatever. They need to understand our loyal my- fans, I guess. Or people uh, who are hate listening. Loyal. I guess that's possible too. Anyone who's stomaching this conversation right now needs to understand how good Myers Leonard is now and how good he could really be. We he- need to be sponsored by Tums. What? Just for pe- to help people stomach this. Oh, all right. Well, I guess. That's probably not a good podcast pitch. Hey, we're barely bearable. Take some antacids and come listen to us. But and I know you fall on this side, too. You actually might love Myers Leonard more than I even do. Just I from think our I side. Might. I think I might. It's but tough. He, he could be really good, and I want to see him be a focal point. But guessing it's probably going to be C.J. McCollum who's going to be that second leading scorer. He really came on during the playoffs creating his own shot, hitting some threes. If they give him enough minutes, he should. Pro- he is Lillard's second-in-command right now, and I think that's a pretty easy assumption. Does it concern you at all that so much of the scoring could come from the backcourt? What do you mean? Like, why would it concern me? Just because typically you want some sort of diversity in your offense, and it's tough to see, it's tough to see a lot of points coming from non-guard spots, which makes it easier to defend them. That's, what, that's all I'm really saying. Yeah, it is concerning because, again, if you think about it then, feasibly your three leading scorers could be Lillard, McCollum, and Henderson. And those three are all going to spend most of their minutes in the backcourt. That's definitely a problem. And then you look at their front court. there's not a lot of scoring talent there. Vonley should probably end up being their best scorer uh, because he, he looks like he could be a semblance of self-sufficient, but he barely played in Charlotte last year. You don't know what you're going to get from him this year. Then again, you do have Myers Leonard, but Plumlee isn't a scorer. Ed Davis isn't a scorer. Al Farouk Amanu isn't really a scorer. Maurice Harkless isn't a scorer. It's going to be tough sled 
exciting when you're trying to find consistent, reliable offense in the front court in Portland. The real reason that I asked you that is because I was stalling so I could look this up. Uh, 50-40-90 club. 50% from the field, 40% from downtown, 90% from the line. We're going to use cutoffs of 15 minutes per game, and players had to take at least one three-pointer per game so that we're not looking at guys who went one-for-one from downtown throughout an entire season. How many people in NBA history are in that club? I'm not going to answer because I know. It's only nine. And those nine players are Larry Bird twice, Jose Calderon, Kevin Durant, Steve Kerr, Reggie Miller, Steve Nash four times, Dirk Nowitzki, Mark Price, and Myers Leonard. You do not get in that club on a fluke. No, you don't. And again, he did. He had the attempts to get there. And I think that's what's important. It's going to be interesting to see if he can still shoot as well or be as deadly when he's going to be getting more touches and more defensive attention because you don't have those elite options elsewhere. Lillard is the only elite scorer on this team right now. And that's going to make life harder on everybody else, like Myers Leonard. Can he put up those numbers when he's not going to get double teams? But think about how many open shots he had last year. I mean, even even if he takes a step backwards in terms of his efficiency numbers, you're still looking at a young center who can score from anywhere on the court, who you can't hack because he's going to make all of his free throws, and who protects the rim well. That is everything you want in a young center in today's NBA. And it shouldn't be that surprising because of the track he's always been on with with his development. Back at Illinois, they just didn't give him the ball enough because he was so raw. I mean, he went long stretches of games without getting his hands on the rock whatsoever just because he hadn't been playing for that long at a high level. And he was still learning what to do with, with his body. You know, I mean, big guy, still learning how to be coordinated, all that jazz. And now he's finally coming into his own, and he looks fantastic. I, I love this guy. I, I could probably talk about him for an hour, and I shouldn't, but here we are. I'm, I'm right there with you. He's a lot more polished than when he first came into the league. Maybe bringing him along slowly, even though his minutes have actually decreased from his rookie season, that might benefit him in the long run. But you just look at this roster and how much relative inexperience it has, and you're talking about Lillard winning the scoring title. Is Lillard going to be an all-star this year? Do you think? <laughs> I would assume that it would be the first time ever that a scoring leader has not made the all-star team. But also, if he's averaging 30 points a game, there's no way he's getting left off that roster. No I, way. I, I get, so so I I'm going to say I'm going to say he's going to make it. There's scoring is so glamorized, over-glamorized by the public and the public is who determines the starters. Like if we assume that Kobe is going to be a lock for one of the two spots, which is stupid, but that's a conversation for another time and place, um, then there's one more backcourt spot in the West, and there are a lot of guys. Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, you know, James Harden, the list goes on and on. But if he's averaging 30 points a game while the vote's going on, is there a chance that he steals that second second place? Uh, He would have to be scoring a lot. I just talked myself out of it. Stephen Curry's the most popular player in the NBA right now. Here, here's the thing, and this sort of comes back. We're going to really find out how good Damian Lillard is this year because of the lack of experienced talent around him. And I keep coming back to this stat, even though it isn't a tell-all. Out of the Blazers' 10 best players of this coming season, how many of them ranked in the top 125 of minutes played last year? Was he the only one? No, there was two. Oh, him and Henderson, Gerald Henderson. Henderson, yeah. He was the only one of their 10 best players to rank in the top 50 of minutes played. 
he doesn't have a lot of proven talent around him. If McCollum and Leonard simultaneously make that leap, life could get a lot easier for him, and, and maybe then it actually won't be that big of a transition. But this is the year we're going to find out how good Damian Lillard is because of how good everyone else around him isn't. Yeah, and I don't think that he's as good as the numbers are going to indicate. It's one of those weird situations where I think that he will make the all-star team because he's going to score so many points, but he's not going to be that efficient. He's still an atrocious defender who treats any sort of pick like it's a brick wall. Um, I, I don't think that he is good enough to carry a team, and that's basically going to be proven when they finish at the bottom of the conference. Because if you are that good, your team's going to win games because of you single-handedly on some nights, and that's not going to happen here. Well, that's sort of a nice segue into this. How many wins is this team getting this year? Um, you know, last year, the Timberwolves were last in the West with 16 wins. I can't see this team dropping down that far. Maybe around 20 with the potential to go higher because of all those young guys. Yeah, that, that seems fair. I think, I, I think they should be able to get around 22. I feel dirty for 22. saying that. Right. Well, that's the problem. I'm going to say 22, but in my head, I'm wondering if I almost want to say under 20. It's, it's taboo to predict that a team isn't going to win 20 games in the NBA, yeah. especially now because you're looking at it, oh, well, this could happen, and they, they have these guys, and Myers Leonard is God. So it's just like a 22 seems like a fair number for them. The Western Conference is really good. I actually don't think they're, they're not going to be associated with tanking, but they're not built to even – play competitively in the Western Conference right now. And that's the thing people need to remember. My prediction for them would be along the lines of if they get to 25 victories, I would be genuinely shocked. Yeah, I, I think I would as well. I, but we have, the, we have the wins out of the way. We are optimistically pessimistic about this Blazers team. And that means that it is time for... Pure pessimism. Yep, it is Burns My Bacon time, and I am going to grab a slab of overcooked pork, overcooked pig, and I'm going to talk about Kevin Durant right now, who is tired of a lot of things, most notably the media. He seemed a little bit upset this past week, dealing with all these questions about his injury, and he almost seems mad that people are going to ask these questions, which... Translation, he, he almost seems mad that people have jobs and responsibilities and need to ask him these questions. I have a big issue with Kevin Durant's relationship with the media. He gets the pass. I'm not sure if it's because he's so good, if it's because he's so generous off the court, if it's because he plays in OKC and not Los Angeles, but you see him call people liars like he did to Stephen A. Smith, and I normally don't side with Stephen A. Smith. That ordeal, I was on his side. Maybe he went off on first take too much, but... He's not out there questioning the validity of Kevin Durant's ability. Kevin Durant shouldn't be questioning the validity, validity of his job. And now he just seems to get agitated at also-ran questions at the All-Star game last year. He goes out of his way to say that the media is basically his enemy. Come on, dude. It's a working relationship. I get it. You guys aren't supposed to be friends. But the media has a job to do, and your job is to answer that question, these questions. They get repetitive. They get annoying. That's the nature of the business. That's what you signed up for, just like these guys signed up for dealing with your petulant behavior when it gets to that point. And it really needs to stop. Kevin Durant needs to mature when it comes to dealing with the media. And I'm, I'm flat out hot about this, hotter than I realized when I started. But that's all I'm going to say on the matter is I hope Kevin Durant sort of begins to appreciate the media or at least understands that, hey, 
I need them, they need me, this is a mutually beneficial relationship, let's treat it as such. I completely agree with that, and I just wonder, how long is it going to take before Kevin Durant loses that nice guy reputation, because he doesn't deserve it at this point. No, we wanted him to be that super clean-cut, nice guy that he was early in his career, and I think we've realized that it was kind of a front in recent years. So much that has happened has, has led us to believe otherwise, and it's still the, the moments that take over, like the, uh, the MVP speech where he broke down in tears and called his mother the real MVP and all that. And even then, even then, like he, he specifically said that he didn't like the meme. That? Yeah, he didn't like the meme, you the real MVP. Like, come on. You need I'm, to be I'm able totally to laugh at yourself, and yeah. Kevin Durant can't. My thing is, is he almost seems to be, despite what you said, going out of the way to be that bad guy. He had that whole Nike campaign where he was like pretty much the bad guy or not the good guy, and that's just weird. He just seems to get bent out of shape or to focus on the most bizarre things, and perhaps it's because he's lived in LeBron's shadow for the past eight or nine years, and that might take its toll, but it's just bizarre to me that he views the media the way he does, and he's so obsessed with not being perceived as the good guy. That's a, that's a good thing to be perceived as. I think LeBron will tell you right now he likes his relationship with the media better than he did in 2010. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's how we're feeling on that. I'm glad that Adam Fermel agrees. I'm just going to assume that Andrew Bailey does as well because he agrees with everything we say. But <laughs> if you want to talk more about the Portland Trailblazers and how purely – not good they're going to be this upcoming season. You can get at us on Twitter. Andrew Bailey is at Andrew D. Bailey. Adam Frommel, I'm going to get it right this time, is at Frommel9. That's F-R-O-M-A-L-0-9. Correct? You're yep. shaking your head at yep. me. All right. I am at Dan Favalli. That's F-A-V-A-L-E. We are all at Hardwood Knox, spelt like it sounds. And until next time, our loyal fiendish friends. Shout out Dino Utri. You don't get to say it. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I was just expecting you to say it. I'll admit I forgot the first podcast. You don't um, get to say it. You don't deserve it. <laughs> I have to say it. I think that should be the bet. If Trey Burke flames out, I'll take like five consecutive shout-out Ben Fair enough. or something. Fair the iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Hi, I'm Rick, store director from the Mill Valley Safeway. 
Our pick four sales back with over 100 items to choose from. It's simple. Mix and match any four participating items. That's right, any four. They don't have to be the same, so mix and match away. Here's a few to choose from. Lean Cuisine and Stouffer's Simple Dishes or Signature Classics Entrees, 6 to 13 ounce selected varieties, only $1.77, and Kellogg's Cereal 10 to 12 ounce, $1.69 each when you buy four. Look for the red tags in store. This is Rick from the Mill Valley Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.